This is Balancing Point Podcast, episode 54. Welcome to Balancing Point Podcast, where you will experience the captivating world of professional ballet. On this show, you will hear what it takes to make it in the exclusive world. Each guest will share with you their struggles, their I've made it moments, and their advice for success. And ultimately, you will learn what it is really like to live your dream. Join your host, Kimberly Falker, and today's inspiring guests as they take you on a behind-the-scenes journey into ballet. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Balancing Point Podcast, where ballet is uncovered. My name is Kimberly Falker, and I am your host, and I just want to remind you that you still have a few days to enter my amazing giveaway. My previous guest, Kent Becker, who's a photographer and takes photos of dancers during their curtain calls, has offered to send a large print to one lucky winner, and you get to choose which photo you would most like from his gallery. So to enter into the drawing, all you need to do is send me an email with your name to balancingpoint, P-O-I-N-T-E, at gmail.com. And once you are entered, you can browse through his gallery at notmydayjobphotography.com. And then just select the print that you love the most. And I will be drawing the winner from those who have entered this Friday, June 6th. So be sure to take care of that entry just send me an email with your name that's all you need to do and then you'll have a chance to win so i'll be drawing on friday june 6th all right so today we're in day two of my series on new york city ballet and so today and tomorrow we will learn more about new york city's apprentice program and as i mentioned yesterday the information that i'm sharing with you about any of the programs with new york city ballet or school of american ballet comes directly from their websites. So today's information comes from the School of American Ballet's website. And if you did not listen to yesterday's episode, episode 52, I interviewed Michaela Lambert, who's a student, a full-time student of the School of American Ballet, also called SAB. And SAB is the official training academy of the New York City Ballet. Nearly all of the current members of New York City Ballet received training at the School of American Ballet and entered the company through the Apprentice Program, which is jointly administered by the School of American Ballet and New York City Ballet. And only students enrolled at the school are eligible for apprenticeships. New York City Ballet does not hold auditions for apprenticeships. And each year, New York City Ballet Ballet Master-in-Chief Peter Martins invites a small number of advanced students, usually ranging in age from 16 to 18, to become apprentices, providing the first stage of their professional careers. And apprentices take class and rehearse with the company six days a week at New York City Ballet's Lincoln Center facilities. And then the Rose Building, which is SAB's home houses three of New York City Ballet's rehearsal studios, as well as the New York City Ballet's education department and costume shop. And then there's also additional rehearsal space located across the Lincoln Center Plaza in the New York State Theater, which is where the company performs for 21 weeks each year. And apprentices learn roles in a wide array of works from New York City Ballet's vast repertoire and may perform in up to eight ballets per season in addition to the full five-week season of George Balanchine's The Nutcracker. 
And apprentices are paid the equivalent of a first-year core member's salary, which is prorated according to the number of performances danced each week. Apprentices actually get to sample life as a company member while enjoying all the benefits of remaining students. And as you'll hear today, it's, it's kind of described as one foot in the door of a student and the other foot in the door of a company member. So it's kind of an interesting um, progress into becoming a member of the company. So the apprentices remain as a student in the dorm where they've lived as a student with the School of American Ballet, and they also have access to the services provided by the school, including Pilates, physical therapy, nutrition, physiological counseling. And the school's director of student life continues to monitor their academic progress if they're still in high school and provides necessary guidance to ensure that their academic goals and requirements are met during the apprenticeship. And then at the end of the maximum one-year period, so they only get the one year to be an apprentice, the company and apprentices are required by union regulations to decide whether or not the dancer has a permanent future with New York City Ballet. And then apprentices who are invited to join the company typically find out in the summer when they are training or working at Saratoga Springs in Upper New York. So the guests that you'll hear from today and tomorrow are both apprentices. And so what you'll hear is they're kind of in that phase of their path where they're not really sure. They don't have a, a job yet next year. They will find out in the next few months. So kind of like my guest yesterday, each of these young dancers really are, are at a very uh, critical crossroads of their future career. So you'll hear both the excitement, the the nervous thoughts and all of that that goes into it. So it's a very fascinating interview. And today I'm talking with Daniela Aldrich, who is an apprentice with New York City Ballet. And Daniela spent two years at SAB before being asked to be an apprentice. And then she'll also share with you about how she got into SAB. And this happened after she attended one summer, realized that she really, really wanted to go there year round and be a part of the School of American Ballet and was not asked to stay. And then the rest of that year, when she went back home, she really focused on trying to improve the best that she could so that she would have an opportunity to be a part of the School of American Ballet year round. And when she returned the the next summer, she was asked to stay. And Danielle will also share so much more about her experience as an apprentice and how it was such a dream to be able to dance on stage with the New York City Ballet in their production of Swan Lake with the company. And all in all, Danielle is sweet, articulate, and really helps unveil all that goes into getting the rare opportunity to be an apprentice and all the work that has gone into this journey. I just know that you're going to enjoy this interview with Daniela, so let's just go ahead and get started. How's everything going from your end? It's going really well. Um, I didn't have a show today, but I had two yesterday, so it was, it was nice to have today off after after a good run yesterday. Yeah. So what what will you do over the summer? Well, as of now, um, the season ends after next week, and then I will be going home a couple weeks and then rehearsing for a couple weeks for Saratoga and at the end of Saratoga is when 
they are supposed to tell us whether or not we get our core contracts. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, let's not jump into the story too much yet because I want to get there. Um, <laughs> we'll just go backwards. So where are you from? I'm from Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Okay. And then where did you start your training when you were growing up? At Central Pennsylvania Youth LA with my C. So I hear that that's a really great program, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm from Carlisle, so I didn't even know you know, about the scale of it. Um, but I just started there because that was the ballet school. So how long were you there, training there? I, I studied for about 10 years. Um, I started when I was six at CPYB, and then my both of my parents are Spanish professors at Dickinson. So when my dad taught abroad, in Spain one year, I actually went and studied with the Victoria Ballet School in Madrid. And then I finished two years at CPYB before coming to SCB when I was 16. So had you done any other summer intensives before going to SAB when you were 16? No, SCB was my first one other than the summer intensive in Madrid. Okay. Yeah, it was really, it was the first one I ever wanted to go to. Um, when I did, I went to two. I went to, I went to two summer programs at SAB before, before studying. And had you like auditioned other places and thought of other places or was that kind of where you mostly wanted to go? Uh, whenever I was 15 getting ready for summer auditions, I knew I wanted to go to SAB for the summer, but I didn't, I wasn't planning on falling in love with it like I did. What did you think? I remember um, the first night they, you know, they were like, okay, and if you're interested in staying, you there's a list that you put your name on. And I remember saying, oh, like, my roommate was putting her name on the list and everything. And by the third week, I was so nervous. I was like, is it too late to put my name on the list? <laughs> because I just had fallen in love with it so much. And so did you get asked to stay that summer? No, I didn't. And what, Were you heartbroken or was it kind of like, oh, well, that's the way it's supposed to be? I remember at the end of the fifth week, I was just like, I didn't get asked to stay this year, but I'm going to get asked to stay next year. <laughs> oh, that's a good mindset then. I remember asking Suki, you know, what should I work on this year? <laughs> well, I just, I remember, remember my whole attitude about ballet changed that summer. In what way did it change? I just remember coming into the SAR program thinking, with an attitude of, you know, I'm just here to dance and I'm going to scope it out, see what I like, what I don't like. And I'm just here going to be in New York for the summer. And then by the end of it, it was just like, oh my gosh, like what can I learn from these teachers, this company? You know, I, I guess my focus was much more honed in by the end of the summer. And then that whole next year, I 
I finally really had a goal. So when you auditioned for the next summer, did you audition for other places too or just kind of put all your eggs in that one basket? I, I did put all my eggs in that one basket. <laughs> You're like, whew, that worked yeah. out. <laughs> when you went through that summer with the hope and the intention to be asked to stay, did you let them know that that was what you wanted? Well, I, I you know, the first time I didn't put my name on the list and the second summer I I did the first day that I could. <laughs> and did you ever, like, talk to your teachers and say, this is what my hope is, or is that really not a done uh, not thing? Not at FCB. I remember at, at home, I remember, you know, I feel like everyone knew I really wanted to be at FCB. I really wanted to be in New York City Ballet. But it was kind of like, you know, I don't know. I remember feeling like maybe... You know, some people could have that dream, but I wasn't, you know, supposed to have that dream. I remember being, you know, just cautious about it. What did you do any differently that summer that you, based on what you had learned or what your what your hope was? Well, I think, I think the change in my intention and in my um, focus was probably very apparent. I. Obviously, FEB, you know, the whole technique and everything is different um, than what I was used to and that what anyone's used to before coming. So, so I really made sure, you know, everything that I learned from the first summer, I carried on over to the second summer. And then it all worked out. Wow. So when you got there that second summer... And you put your name on the list. At what point in the summer did you find out that you had been asked? At the beginning of the second week. So you had already obviously had a discussion with your family about what you hoped to achieve. And they were fine with it? I mean, ever since I was six, I wanted to dance in New York City Ballet. But I don't think I ever really, you know, it was just like, oh, New York City Ballet. And, um... Then when, as like, you know, the time got closer, I guess it really became more of, you know, not just, ooh, ah, but this is what you have to do, like, working at it every day, rather than just, you know, daydreaming about it. And, I mean, my parents were really great about that. And I had already, you know, lived away from them when I was in Madrid. So... They were great. Once once you got asked to stay, you know, I've heard that they asked the parents first. So your parents had already said, you know, we're okay with it. And then they call and tell you. Do you remember where you were when that happened? Yeah, I remember it was in the middle of partnering class. And the receptionist, or, you know, the office work, the office woman who um, told me she was about to go home. So they stopped the partnering class and she was like, hey, now come with me. I I think I must have had like this look of fear on my face. She's like, don't worry, you're not in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like what bad thing happened? <laughs> right. Um, and then I remember going back into the partnering class after being, after being told that I was being asked to stay. And there was an apprentice in the, in the class that summer taking and he was like so are you gonna stay and I was like of course (laughs) were you the first one 
to get asked, or had there already been some others that had been? Um, it was the first day. That they started asking? Yeah, yeah, but I was at the end of the day. So what do you think made the difference? Certainly within, um, I mean, that's not very much time for, for you to have shown them what you were made of in just one week, or do you, you know, or what do you think? I really think, I, I don't know, I mean, I had been there last summer, and then I, I somehow, I, I think they just, I think, I don't know. I mean, I hope they just saw that, how badly I wanted it, how badly, how hard I had worked for it for a year. And um, that, that first week was kind of me, like, saying, look, like, I, I can be asked to stay at SAP. And right. So when you would go into class in that first week with that hope and that desire, did you kind of have a strategy on how you would um, portray yourself, you know? Or did you give yourself, like, internal self-talk before you walked into class? You know, because I could see how some dancers would almost create too much pressure for themselves by doing that, you know, and, and yeah. have a negative effect. So just... It's funny because my first summer, I, I, I could... And since I was kind of so removed from, like, like I want to stay, I, I really observed the other girls in my class around me, you know, like pushing themselves and, you know, not breathing because they were working so intensely and their eyes bulging. And I remember <laughs> my second summer just thinking, like, that's not me, you know. Right, don't put on a fake face. Right, so no, I didn't, I didn't, you know, strategize to bulge my eyes out. <laughs> but, um, but I just paid attention, worked hard, you know. Right. I, I didn't hide in the back. Well, that's smart, too. Yeah, I've heard that that's a, a good strategy. Not, even if it's not a strategy, but, you know, to show the people that you're, that are, are the instructors that, that you care, that you want to be there. Yeah, because I'm shy, and I, I am more comfortable in the back of the room. But even in the back of the room, you can, you know, demonstrate that you really right care. right well I mean especially if they're looking at potential future dancers for their company which if you're going to be a professional dancer they're going to want to think that you can be by yourself out on the stage not be shy so yeah so that first year um when you did stay so you go home at the end of the summer and then you pack up all your things and come back is that how it works yeah what grade were you going into that year? I was going into 11th grade. I was, was going to be a junior. And prior to that point, had you done regular school? Yeah, I had always gone to public school. Okay. And so when, we're, when you were at SAB, what kind of schooling did you do there? I went to PCS, to Professional Children's School. And then that's, that's a private school, right? Yeah. Okay. And so some kids do that and some do... The public yeah, high yeah. school, and then others do, like, online or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, both my parents are professors, so 
it was really important to them that you got a more formal education. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm really, I'm, you know, because I was like, Oh, I just want to go to PPAS because I'd heard, you know, that, um, a lot of people just did that. Um, but I'm really, and that's the public school. Yeah. But what about families that come in, you know, for the year round and, you know, it's the private school, I'm sure, is not very cheap. How do, you know, they, is the other high school not good? It is, it is but um, it's just, you know, I think that the, the dif- there's a difference in, you know, um, the reinfor- the educational reinforcement, the academic, you know, push that you're getting from the two different schools, I think there's a big difference. Um, and, you know, for me, I actually became, I got really close with a couple of my professors, or a couple of my teachers at PCS. It was really wonderful. And, you know, I think he's really great with financial aid and PCSs too, actually. Oh, that's good to know too, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they they really do make it possible. Okay. They really do. Yeah. And then when you were ready to graduate, was one of your thought process to apply to colleges too? <laughs> I remember at the beginning of the year last year, um, my parents said, You're gonna apply to four <laughs> colleges. By Christmas it was you're gonna apply to two. <laughs> And I didn't end up applying oh, to gosh. any. And so that's just, again, kind of putting all your eggs in the one basket, huh? <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, I think I've kind of always been really hesitant. or Not hesitant, but, you know, <clears throat> I've kept everything, like, on a general spectrum. And then I, I end up just putting all my eggs in the one basket. <laughs> That's funny. When did they ask you to be an apprentice? How did that work for you? I remember the Dresden, Dresden Temple Roper came in February. The director came and taught us a variation and he taught us class for a week. And at the end, he picked five of us as potential apprentices for that company. And then yeah, and then in, I guess, March, at the end of March, he picked, or he finalized maybe three of us to be apprentices. And then um, so at that point, you said, hey, we have this job offer to, to K. Mazo, and K. Mazo passed it on to Peter Martins. And then Peter Martins came and watched, he watched, you know, he watched a little bit of maybe two or three classes. Um, And then he was going to decide whether or not we should take that offer or, or hold off on it. So that was really, I remember being very tense. (laughs) So, and I mean, but this is like, Building. This is just one part of the whole 
of the whole, you know, final year process because we had been auditioning since January, taking audition pictures in November. Oh, for like everywhere? Yeah, for everywhere. Is that what they tell you guys to do or you guys kind of do that just to make sure that you have backup plans? No, they're they're really they're really you know proactive I, I feel like more so now than before but the school is really you know actually really helpful in making sure that everyone gets situated with um, looking for jobs and then getting jobs well yeah because they're kind of like your surrogate parents at that point huh right yeah at that point I mean yeah so how many places did you wait, do audition or you send your stuff and then they accept you to audition? Or what's the process for that in that stage of um, your I, I didn't send anything out. Oh, um, okay. Or actually, no, I sent one. I sent out um, during my Christmas break. I sent out a couple emails with you know, my pictures and then saying, could I come audition? I remember one company in Germany said I was too short and then one in New England said I was um, too young. Oh gosh, it's like Goldilocks. <laughs> right, yeah, and then um, there were companies coming, you know, and holding open auditions at, SA, at the SAV studios. Did you do any of those? And I remember just, I remember doing Boston Ballet, um, and PA and um, oh Kansas City I did and then did, did you hear back from any of them no I didn't and by that point I had gotten this from Dresden so then I was like okay I'm done <laughs> you know because actually since the end of my first year um, I had been really interested in Dresden how did you find out about them? There was there had been some dancers in the past from SEB that had gone to Dres that are dancing in Dresden now, and it's a really cool company. And I remember thinking, you know, it's really far away, so um, you know, so if I don't, you know, if my dream ever since I was six years old doesn't happen. I wouldn't mind being in Germany doing doing really cool stuff. I mean, they do Balanchine and they do Foresight and they do the classics. So then, so Peter Martins went away and said he'd make a decision and then what happened? And then, um, you know, at the end of the week, uh, my friend Jordan Miller and me um, we had meetings, but separately. So I remember I had thought to myself, you know, if we go in at the same time, we both get good news. <laughs> and if we're, if we're called in. Yeah, you guys probably sat up at night and talked about it like that whole week, huh? Yeah, but then we, you know, we'd go back to our rooms and have a, be lost in our own thoughts. Um but I remember thinking, and if we're called in separately, then I'm going to be going to Dresden. <laughs> um, but we got called in separately, and we both got told the same thing. 
that um, Peter was interested and that it was up to us whether or not to take the Dresden offer or not. But he was interested in... But that wasn't a promise. It was just a potential, right? Right. So... Gosh, that's hard. So what'd you do? I mean, obviously, I know what you did next, next, but in that moment, what did you do? In that moment, I was just so... I was like, oh, what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, I I knew what I was going to do. Which yeah. was to say no to Dresden? Although I had already gotten comfortable with the idea of moving. Right. So, did anybody take the Dresden offer? Yeah. Um, my friend Madeline Carver went to Dresden. And my friend Houston Thomas, who is now in the core of Dresden. Oh wow! Yeah, and he's he loves it, and they love him, and it's a really good match. Oh, that's good. So then, how much longer after that timing um, was it before you found out that you were being asked to be an apprentice? Well, we didn't get told until after the workshop, and we had and this this meeting, this first meeting, was in. In March, I think. And the workshops are like now, right? Not till June. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So I bet there was a lot of moments in time that you questioned your decision. Yeah, I mean, we were really wrapped up in workshop rehearsals, so that kind of helped. You graduated high school, and then are you able to stay on at SAB if they didn't ask you to be an apprentice? Good. Oh, well, I had I went to Miami that summer, so my plan was I'll go to Miami, and if if it's not, if I don't get an apprenticeship, I'll ask to stay in Miami, and then I was, and I, then I was an apprentice, but I still decided to go to Miami. Okay. How did you like it there? I really, I absolutely love Lourdes Lopez, and I'm so happy I went. You know, yeah, it's nice to have had different experiences, you know, yeah, you know, and it's just another bridge to cross and to check another opportunity to check out um more just another batch of teachers to learn from another city to to experience did they show interest in you, or did they already know that you're <laughs> had accepted an apprenticeship? Um, well, they didn't know that I was an apprentice. So I remember getting called into the office, um, and Darlene was like, you know, we were going to ask you to stay and that we were interested, but then we found out you're an apprentice with New York City Valley. <laughs> so it was really funny, and it was really nice, you know, to know. Um, oh, that's very nice, Yeah, yeah. Um, so then, you know, I mean, at the end of this year, if I don't get an apprenticeship, I was kind of like, oh, well, you know, maybe hopefully, you know, Miami will remember me. Right. Because, because I still don't have a permanent job. Real job yet. yet. Yeah. 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 
And it's really that first job that's the biggest hurdle, right? Right. Going back to when they asked you about um, about the whole apprenticeship, how did that happen? What was the process? I remember it workshop was on a Tuesday, and then Wednesday we had off. So um, on Wednesday, I was just, you know, like, I just took a deep breath. And then on Thursday, I remember, you know, being in complete panic mode. And they didn't tell us until Friday. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, so nobody knew very... anything. Yeah, well, at least I didn't. Okay. So then um, how did how did you find out? I remember I was talking to Suki in the hallway before class. We had two paper class. And Sue Boxman, um, K-Maze's assistant, said, you know, come to Kay's office after class. So Suki and I kind of just gave each other a look and then went into class. And then afterwards, it was all very good news. So of the of the kids um, in the year-round program that were at the level to be asked to be an apprentice, how many get chosen or how many got chosen? Well, it's different every year, but it was Jordan and me and then Isabella from, from C2. Okay. So just yeah, and I remember it was Jordan and me in Kay's office together, and it was actually really sweet because all the teachers were in there. Um, like it wasn't just Peter and Kay and us; it was Peter and Kay and Suki and Arch and Susie was in there. So only three out of how many kids possible? I think we were a class of eighteen. So did did they stay on for another year, or, or have they moved onward? Uh, most of them have moved onward. I think there are two girls that are still at the school. Okay. And so of those that moved on, did they all pretty much have decent success stories? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, every year it's, you get the handful that goes here, that goes there, a couple that, you know, graduate high school and they realize, okay, now I'm done with that way. Um, yeah, did any kids go on to college? Um, I know a girl just stopped dancing. Oh, but wow. Just moved back home for a little. And I know a couple that are going to college come this fall, but they went on to dance for another year yet. Yeah. But you also you also kinda learn that everyone really does have their own path. Yeah, of some of the other ones that went on, I mean, first of all, I think that or I would imagine that SAB would be great resume builder for your next step, even if you didn't get asked to stay there. But of the ones that went on to other places, what type of places did they go to? Um, P and B, Boston. Mm, Miami. So you go to the summer and then, so there's just three apprentices right now? Right now there's six because, there's six girls because three more got asked before Nutcracker. And then do you guys as apprentices just train as apprentices or are you mixed with the company or how does that work? We take company class every morning 
and we're at the rehearsals, you know, every day. Okay. But we are, we are, we're kind of like, we have one foot in the school, one foot in the company, but it, I would say it's more like we have one and a half feet in the company, <laughs> kind of a half foot in the school, but, you know, we live in the dorms, at, especially at the beginning of the year when our, or when our schedule isn't full with the company, and we have a break at the same time that a class is going on at FAB, then we take that class at FAB. Oh, okay. Huh. That's really interesting. And so when you're taking, um, when you're working with a company, are you kind of um, put into core roles or where are you kind of placed in rehearsals? You know, the very first thing we did, or that the, and that the company did in the fall was Swan Lake, which is really great because, you know, we got a big ballet right away. Uh, we were in the core of that. And then we kind of just understudied okay. a lot. So you actually did get to perform, though? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, how exciting, huh? That's like the real deal. Yeah, and I'm, we went to Japan. You got to go? Oh, fun. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, so if you weren't convinced before, then I'm sure that that helped convince you that's what you wanted, huh? Yeah. I mean, every day more so. But then it's also kind of like, you know, who am I to think I deserve to even have this dream? Right. I know. But that's, you You are there for a reason. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, you have to know that. But gosh, how exciting. So I would think that you guys as apprentices wind up becoming really close. Oh, definitely. Because um, you're like doing everything together now, huh? Yeah. It really makes a huge difference. And then what about like still being in the dorm? Is there any sort of you know hard feelings of those that aren't where you are or didn't get, you know, how, how does that work on a day-to-day basis? Do you kind of be are you put into a different category amongst your dorm mates and friends? Um, well, you know, most of, you know, we're the oldest people in the dorms now. Oh, sure. Because, you know, everyone that was in my class last year is now gone. Ah, that's kind of sad then, huh? <laughs> yeah, a little like bit. Like you, you become a family, you live with them all the time, and all of a sudden they're gone. Yeah, like my roommate that my roommate for for school for the past two years is now in Philly, but she visits, which is really nice. Um, So did you get, um, are the apprentices now mostly roommates? Well, Jordan and I live right next to each other, and Isabella lives right above us. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, it's really nice, but, you know, we, we kind of, everyone has their own schedule, Oh, that's true, yeah. So you don't even really notice, like, what's going on. (laughs) In the summer, you go to Saratoga, and then they do an official announcement? Or Uh or do you know? Okay. And is it possible that all apprentices could get asked, or none? Is it ever heard of that none get asked to stay? I probably, I mean, I feel like they've had every combination of, you know, yeses and noes. And if there, if if somebody who's an apprentice doesn't get the contract at the end of the summer, they don't get another time or another year of getting to be an apprentice, do they? I mean, I really don't know. 
I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, you know, no, nobody, no company holds auditions in August. So, you know, what do you do? Um, you're kind of stranded. Yeah, what have you heard that people do? Um, well, you know, actually, a couple years ago, there were three girls who were apprentices and didn't get asked to stay. They didn't, you know, get their contracts. But they were able to stay, you know, up until they auditioned. Right, just to keep training. Right. That would make so, sense, um, yeah. So that was nice. Um, you know, but before then, I, that was just a couple of years ago. Before then, I don't know what, what was this, what was the standard thing? Right. Cause you know, there's no way that every single apprentice always gets asked to stay and it's always that same time of year. So, huh, <laughs> never thought about it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of one of those things that people, you know, you get asked constantly, and you really just, you're like, I'm sorry, I don't know. Right. Well, it's new to you now, too. I should probably ask a core member. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so much. I mean, that's one of the reasons I started the podcast is because there's so much that's so unknown and yeah. so much of so um, much. what young aspiring dancers hear is based on urban legend that might be completely inaccurate or outdated yeah, you know mean, sometimes instructors with right. all the right heart and intentions give their students advice but their advice not, might not be current because things do change that's so yeah that's completely right I mean because I remember you know there have been dancers from CQIB going on to the City Valley to other places and to the teachers, I remember, like, the stories I would hear when I was little, you know, and then the reality of it, yeah. thinking, wait, this, this isn't what I heard. Right, and even companies' reputations change. You know, you hear during the yeah, audition yeah. season of, well, this company only takes tall dancers, so I wouldn't waste your time, or this company only takes, you know, super skinny, or whatever the rules that they feel, but maybe that was one era you One know and even mm -hmm. um you know because I, I did an interview with um well for one you know for instance with Megan Fairchild and you know because she was so petite or is so petite is why she was propelled so quickly because there was a a shorter dancer that came in you know and and then other times a, a uh -huh. woman that um Julia Erickson that started the bar food and she said that um she didn't get chosen to stay to P&B or at P&B because she was too tall and that year she was not the right fit for them. Whereas now, you know, you right. hear something completely opposite. So it's, it's really such a, you have to stay yeah, current, I, mean, I think, to be, to keep you your head in the do. game. You, know? you really do. And I mean, it, this year especially, I have come to see how, how timing really plays, a huge part. That's in right. Someone's right place and right time. Yeah. Because, yeah. Because if there are just so many petite dancers, you know, I'm I'm five three barely, <laughs> and it's like if there are so many 
small dancers, then why do they need one more? They already have so many. You know, keep the balance. Maybe yeah. they need a tall dancer now. Or maybe a, another short dancer is fine. And in the next couple of years, they'll have tall dancers, you know. Right, and you could overthink that forever. <laughs> exactly. And then you can just go in and do your apprentice duties. and <laughs> Right, do your best. Because if you get... If you get too much in your head about it, then it will get in the way of how you show yourself. Yeah. You know, and if you think, well, this teacher told, gave me this advice and but this friend told me to do this. Right. So, and, it, you know, it's like the know. telephone game. And especially with social media now, I think some of these urban legends oh, yeah. become completely outlandish, you know, and, and I hear it amongst mm-hmm. some of the, the young dancers that... Um, you know, my daughter's 14, and and to hear of, of why you need to audition for this place versus that place, it's like, well, wait a second, let's maybe take a step back, you know, and, and think yeah. first, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, that's honestly the reason I started the podcast is because I felt like I wanted to understand it because uh-huh. it was so confusing to me, and it's always been so mysterious, and I think it does have a shroud of mystery that is intriguing, but in some ways, I think it doesn't do the um, the industry correctly because I don't think dancers get the credit that they deserve for what they do on a day-to-day basis and mm-hmm. because it's not out there, it's not in the media, it's not everywhere, <laughs> then, mm-hmm. you know, you get the wrong portrayal. But I think it's getting better. You know, I think that there's a lot of positive um, exposure happening now, especially with, like... yeah some of the series that are coming out or just, you know, finally it's becoming a little bit more mainstream in, in the world of the media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. So a lot of my dancers are, you know, a lot of my dancers, a lot of my listeners are aspiring dancers mm-hmm. that are hoping to make it. And so, you know, you're real fresh in it. Obviously, you're still waiting for your next um, official chapter one way or the other. But what advice would you give to someone that wants to wants to make it in this world? Um, you know, I would just say really go after what what you want, not what you think you're supposed to want or what, you know, your teachers advise you to want. Right. That's good. You know, yeah. And then what about, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about some of the successes you've had and, you know, what would you have done if you had not gotten to ask, gotten asked to stay that when you were 16 at SAB? What would you have said to yourself or what do you think you might have done next? I think what I would have done next is, you know, I would have either gone back home another year and auditioned again for other places where I would have just found somewhere else. Do you think that, um, I mean, do you think that if you had not gotten asked, it would ever have made sense for you to ask your teachers why not? Or is that just not done? I mean, the first summer, that's what I did. Right. Um, and what advice did you I, get about that when you asked her? I remember Suzuki, 
my name is Daniela. I'm in your level four class. <laughs> and then I remember the was like, I know who you are. You go, great. Daniela, you just, you just insulted one of your teachers you're asking advice from. Um, but uh, I remember she said, um, okay, let's see. You should stretch your turn out and just stretch, stretch. So she was thoughtful uh, in her answer. Yeah. That's really wonderful you know, to I, hear because, you know, I think that that tells, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to ask for advice, right? Right. Yeah. And I mean, they're going to be honest, especially, you know, Suki is very honest. But, I, you know, if you're really genuine and truly seek advice, help, then you're going to get it. That's great. Yeah, that's nice to hear. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I I would also just say, you know, don't, you don't have to strategize. You don't have to have, you know, a master plan of how you're going to be successful. You just have to work hard and, and really, you know, just, you know, keep at it every day. You know, I, I'm I'm very impatient. I'm an impatient person. I'm impatient with myself. And I constantly have to remind myself, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. At this point, um, I'd like to ask a few final questions of all of my guests. And um, many times my guests are much older than you, so it's fun to hear when it's a little bit more fresh. But anyway, the first one is if you could go back in time to your 13-year-old self with the wisdom, confidence, and lessons you've learned, what advice would you give to yourself? Um, my 13-year-old self, that was six years ago. Uh, I would just, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to convince myself and telling myself this, but I think I would just say, you know, you you deserve to dream big. You know, you don't ask yourself like, oh, you know, don't feel ashamed of your dream. That's what I think I would say. Oh, that's a good one. And then with that same wisdom, confidence, and lessons learned, what would you, what would be your advice to aspiring dancers today? Um, just keep at it. You're gonna have bad days. <laughs> That's a good one, too. And then who would be your um, dream guest if you could have any um, one to hear on a podcast like this? I don't know, Jamie Taylor. I feel like she has a really nice story. Or um, Lee Tepiasuchi, because, you know, she's a PNB and she's like a really young, new dancer. And she's from CPYB. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. I I like hearing what other dancers like to hear, you know. Yeah. Cuz it's been yeah, kind I of fun to hear that. like the varied varied um responses. Well, Daniela, thank you so much for your time. I really really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. It was, it was great talking to you. Yeah, well, you know, it's very enlightening and there's so much especially cuz you're right in the middle of it and it's exciting to hear, you know, how it really does work. And, and I think it helps. helps yeah, in, yeah. I helps instruct and kind of inspire kids, but I think it also helps 
um, in a sense of, or even not just kids, the parents too, you know, to understand, you know, what might be on the horizon and, you know, how nerve wracking it can be. And I think that sometimes if you just have information ahead of time, it makes it less nerve wracking, you know? Right. Yep. And just, you know, I, I feel like I did so much reading and listening to everything. And now that I'm in the middle of it, it's still, it's still a new discovery every day. (laughs) Oh, I know. How exciting. So yeah, so your season's, you're the heavy part of the season, and then you have a little time off, huh? Yep, we're doing Midsummer Night's Dream in, on Tuesday. That's exciting. What are you doing in it? I am a hound. Oh, are you? <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, I just had my unitard fitting a couple <laughs> things ago. <laughs> and then I'm a, a small courtier, which is really fun, and a and end butterfly, which is really fun too. Oh, that's exciting! And is it ever intimidating, or what was it like your first day of taking company classes and kind of being at the bar with like people that? Oh my gosh! I just remember I was sweating so much, and being, oh my gosh, am I sweating too much? Can I be sweating even more than this? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, you know, you you want to show everyone that. You're supposed to be there, but you don't want to step on any toes. Oh, gosh. And you have to, everyone has, you know, their way of maneuvering around the class. They have to figure out everyone's trajectory and how they take class and, you know, adapt to it. You know, because, you know, you, you, now, after all these months, I figured out, okay, this person stands like this before they go. And <laughs> oh, that's so and, interesting. Know. And then I, you know, I heard that there's like you know bar spaces and stuff how do you know where to go when you first walk in well the first day I remember my really good friend who's in the core he um he told me oh you can stand there this person stands there this person doesn't care you you know did you ever find yourself winding up kind of um becoming mesmerized with those that you had you know dreamed of watching, like, you know, getting caught off guard watching some of these big names? I, I do, for sure, and then I think, oh, I look maybe, like a star-struck you know, teenager. <laughs> right. And, I mean, it's, it's just crazy because you, I didn't realize, now I appreciate their performances so because much Because you watch more. how... They work in class, you mean, or why? Yeah, just because you see, you know, it's like you have this idol, and then you 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 idolize like their end result at the end of the night. But then you get to, you know, see what goes into it, and it's just wow. so inspiring. And then how is the interaction? Are they pretty just, you know, to themselves? You know, every because it's such a varied age. Yeah, but, you know, honestly, I mean, everyone, everyone was so gracious. And, yeah, I mean, you, you really realize that, you know, dancers as a species, I feel like they really are just, their own 
hardest critic. Everyone. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah. I hope it keeps going, but if not... Well, I'm some way to, it will, for I sure. I got to do the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, <laughs> that's not your swan song. <laughs> Well, thank you, and I hope you have a great night. You too. Thanks, Kimberly. And thank you again for listening today to Balancing Point Podcast. And be sure to send me an email with your name to enroll in my giveaway for the photo from Kent Becker. I'll be announcing the winner on Friday, June 6th, and it's just an amazing opportunity to really receive a beautiful print sent directly to your door. And be sure to tune in tomorrow and every day this week to continue to learn what it is like to dance for New York City Ballet. So until then, have a great day.